Thanks for reminding me of that, huh? It was a wonderful apprenticeship, and we learned about and taught about um, the subject of um, oils and incenses and mojo bags for five days. And that's a free teaching. Oh, Athena Kokos, of course, um, the uh, co-administrator with us of the Lucky Mojo Forum. It was really a great apprenticeship, one of the best I've ever done because the people were so eager to learn. And uh, Tuvara uh, Nutmeg Ohoyo was there. Um, eventually I'll remember all the faces I looked at across the tables. <laughs> so that was wonderful. And then we went directly from that into the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to the uh, people who helped put that on. It was my last time hosting the festival, and everyone worked so hard to make it come together. Uh, John St. Germain was our MC, and um, Heidi and Eileen and the... Um, the cooking crew put out continental breakfasts each day and big lunches. Ms. Robin brought her jambalaya. Heidi and Eileen had succotash and sides and barbecue. It was a feast. And I'll tell you, um, you don't get food like that all the time. It was beautiful, wonderful homemade food. Then we had um, Lady Muse and Company. I got to meet her husband and uh, and members of her team. Um, including Unique Jewel, who's a student who has graduated from Lady Muse's uh, teaching and is be on her way to becoming a uh, minister. She's been ordained, and that was wonderful. And they did a wonderful gospel ceremony. I did a little um, thing with the black and white magic. I taught about it. We had a lot of people interested in Marie Laveau and the history of black and white magic, the book, which seems to have been written by Zora Neale Hurston primarily, about half of it. Um, John St. Germain did a fantastic show um, replicating an old-time crystal gazing act, um, and he Ooh, wow. and he did it was fun. He did some um, wonderful um, replication of the way that these things were, and he answered some people's question and blew some people's minds. There was a lady who said she had a question about the IRS, and she couldn't believe it when he just said, "Someone in here has a question about the IRS," and she like. Two or three people raised their hands. They'd all ask questions. About, and he said, no, but it was you. And he pointed to one of them. It was really interesting. It was very cool. Um, uh, Deacon Millett, my longtime friend and cohort, had a fantastic um, workshop on how to attract new love. We all got teapots. We got little glass demitasse cups. We got all sorts of different mixtures of nine love potions. And we tried them all tasted them, we shared them, we sweetened them with rose petal honey. It was an amazing workshop, as always, with Deacon Millen. And he promises us that he'll be writing a book on this, not just the workshop, but on finding new love. Then we had Jeremy, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, uh, doing Jewish amulet bowls. Everyone got clay, and we could make a bowl for love or for blessings or for destroying our enemies because they all are made differently. And we all sat there with this air-drying clay. And then like people are like starting to form their bowls, and they're making them. And he goes, and by the way, the reason this clay is so brown is that I went to the graveyard, and I mixed all this graveyard dirt in the clay. And you could see the people going, <gasps> They realized they were working with graveyard dirt clay, and there were all these little scribing tools, and it was amazing. Some people ended up putting little hearts in the middle. I ended up stabbing my bowl um, with some uh, scribing tools. It was fun. We all had a good time. Um, we we had a panel discussion on how to catch good luck, and that had Ms. Robin, Mama E, 
Angela, who's going to be our guest, um, Papa Newt, El Duval, and me, and we gave away raffle tickets um, at two times during that day, both when you entered and when you came into the the um, the crystal gazing act that John put on. We gave away raffle tickets, and we found out who was lucky. And it was kind of fun because some of the lucky ones, I was one of the lucky ones, and I gave my ticket back. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't take this. I'm sitting on the panelist. One of the other panelists picked my name. Um, so I gave mine back. But it was fun, and we gave away um, copies of the black folder. And um, and Ms. Robin had two handmade, beautiful handmade mojos that she had made, which were also raffled off. So everybody got a prize who was lucky. And there was a lot of information there about luck. It's all in the red folder, which we gave away. The red folder contains the results of that luck panel and all these other um, workshops. There's little samples in the red folder. And then Ms. Robin jumped right into the nine stages of court case and legal work. And as usual, it's a very well-organized, wonderful Mm -hmm. thing. And everyone made a little charm bag, a little tiny mojo or gree-gree, tied up in brown cloth. They got a brown candle, and they got to... um, have that, and the instructions for making it are in the red folder. So if you didn't attend, you can get the red folder and you'll get Ms. Robbins' court case mojo right there. And we went out to dinner at a new place we've never been to before, other than that we've eaten there as family. It was fantastic. It's the Union Hotel Restaurant in Santa Rosa, recommended highly, and we had a, had a lovely time, got to talk to each other and, and meet each other. Really wonderful, um, nice evening. And then next day, we had, again, a beautiful breakfast from Heidi and Eileen and the crew, and then Catholic Folk Magic with Papa Newt, and he handed out chromos, and it was so funny. There's a photo of me holding up a chromo and pointing with San Lorenzo, the guy who was barbecued. I mean, he was martyred by being put on a barbecue grill and killed, and so there's this picture of him all dressed up kind of nice, holding his grill, and I recognized it right away because it was one of those things when I was a child, you know, you see that and you go, Mama, who's that? She goes, oh, San Lorenzo. <laughs> so, um, she had lived in Italy and she knew it. So I was completely nonplussed as a child, probably 10 years old. And I, but So people were holding this thing up. What is that? And I, I was holding it. I said, that's San Lorenzo. So it's a funny photo of me making a funny photo, uh, f- funny face pointing that thing. Everyone was comparing their chromos. And we all got um, medals. And we did some trades. People said, oh, I don't want St. Dymphna. I want to have St. Benedict. And we traded it around. And Papa Newt um, taught us all about it. Um, he is working on a book on Catholic folk magic. And oh, very I'm cool. going to be very pleased. To, yeah, he, he, we had a lot of stuff. And then the funniest thing of all. So he his workshop consisted of, sure, show and tell. But then he showed us how to steal a rosary. So he starts explaining what the rosary is and the, the decades and the, the prayers and the blah, blah, blah. He says, just follow along. The, he just starts off with, I don't even remember the words to it, Hail Mary, full of grace. And all of a sudden, like 15 people respond. And I'm like, I looked around, I went, oh, now we know who the Catholics are. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and they just kept, and they got that, as they got more confident, more of them joined in. And it was so strange mm-hmm. to me, not being a Catholic. I looked around, I, went, I didn't know that that person was a Catholic. I didn't know that person was a Catholic. <laughs> and one of them, one of them was a lady, I had no idea she was a Catholic. I said, you're a Catholic? And she goes, my parents sent me to parochial school. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But they all knew the rosary, and we had a wonderful time. It was really uh, like being in a religious ceremony that was um, very cool. 
very exotic to me, but you know, pretty cool. Yeah. The hidden, the hidden Catholics, right? And then we did um, foot tracks in the dust with Papa G, and we had little um, vials, and we had two different powders to make. One of which was culinary powder um, uh, for good things, for money blessing and love blessing, and then we had the evil, evil powder. So I had everybody. I had because people were like, which vial do I use for which? I had to stand up and I said, look, your vials are tagged. Write good on one and evil on the other. And someone piped up and said, you mean it's just like Alice in Wonderland? And I said, yes. <laughs> yeah, not eat me, drink me, but good and evil. And everyone made their um, goofer dust and everyone made um, cinnamon sugar for toast. It was lovely. We had another lunch. And then we had the shock doc. If you can get on Facebook, look up um, Shelby O'Connelly. Um, Facebook site or mine and there's a few other people Dr. Jeremy Weiss you could also look him up there's video it's not just snaps it's video of him walking on broken glass and jumping up and down on broken glass and eating a light bulb and saying that he did this all (laughs) to learn from me (laughs) and I was sitting there with with my standing there with my hands over my mouth trying not to scream because I was right next to him and I could hear the broken glass crunching under his feet. Oh, man. It was, in, it was intense. It, anyway, it's his show, the Shock Doc Show, and he he shocked a whole lot of people. Um, oh, wow. We had then Lady Muse came back for the fertility, childbirth, and baby blessing. We had um, we made a little bag of herbs for a baby blessing. We, she had little um, pins that were like... Um, jewelry eye pins they're called and we had little beads and we had little evil eye beads for the people who wanted to have evil eye protection for the baby and we had little crosses for people who wanted to bless the baby in a christian way or you could do them both it didn't matter you could put them both on with these little beads and then those went into the um uh, to ornament the little muslin bag full of the the baby blessing herbs for a tea or a bath beautiful little thing and she is very focused. That's a lady who knows how to teach. And I'm so glad, uh, I really, that we got her to teach before um, having the show end in Forestville because she's never taught. I mean, I've known her and she's been coming around and she's been to the festivals, but I had never seen her teach before. I was impressed. Anybody who wants to put on a festival, if you need Lady Muse to teach, that lady comes prepared. Okay, then we did numerology. I showed everybody how to find a lucky number via western astrology and how to find a lucky mm. number via chinese astrology and um and i hope everyone was mightily entertained and they also got entertained and they also got a copy of a of a dream book the kansas city kitty dream book in addition to my new book secret of numbers reveal and the secret of numbers revealed is a an old book that i kind of stuck my hand in stirred twice and it became a 96 page book instead of a 48 page book <laughs> i put in half the book and then John St. Germain came back, and he, he taught the secrets of the Crystal Silence League. We each got a real rock crystal, a little crystal ball. These are the size of a marble, like a, mar- a shooter-sized marble. And it was so funny. Again, he was talking about cl- it's clear crystals. Clear- and people kept looking and said, mine has little rainbows in it. Mine has little cloudy things. And I, I finally had to tell people around me, i got to speak up. And I put my hand up, and I said, the reason your crystal ball has things in it, it's really... 
quartz rock crystal. And mm. they all go, ooh, ah, they didn't realize it. They thought it was just a little marble, but they were real rock crystal, beautiful little things, and they had gorgeous imagery that you can kind of defocus your eyes. I saw all kinds of things, and I love reading crystals, but that crystal was so nice to, to work with, and John gave us a teaching on it. And then we had the business card exchange. Everyone got a copy of the Fortune Teller's Guide to Success. Everyone got to exchange all their business cards. I talked about the difference between a carte de visite and a business card and why we want business cards and not carte de visite. And then we went out on the grass, and John St. Germain, who is a Buddhist, presented everyone with white katas, which are uh, blessing cloths. You maybe have seen the Dalai Lama bless people with those. Mm -hmm. And um, he taught me the blessing, so I kind of became the fill-in Buddhist. And um, and it's a little thing where you bow, and and it was just lovely. And then we all went home and said goodbye. And it was just one of the nicest weekends we've ever had. We sold crystal balls for the Crystal Silence League to raise money for the website. And we also sold books for Yippie, um, used occult books to raise money for Yippie because right now we're, Yippie is gearing up to publish another book, and that's going to be a big book, like the Trolldom book. And that book is going to be the, the new um, grimoire of Practical Jewish Magic for Everyone by Dr. Jeremy Weiss. And it's going to contain hundreds of spells from Jewish folk magic, not the Kabbalah, Jewish folk magic, in the same way that Trolldom contained books for Norse folk magic. So I've said my piece about where I've been. I got home from the festival, which means walking about 100 feet, and then going upstairs. And the next day, I began to feel tickling in my nose. And the next day I began, the tickle went to my throat, and then I got a fever, and then I lay down coughing. And I've been down all week. I just got up. And um, I know I'm better because I just just made 27 packages of devil shoestrings, so I must be feeling better now. (laughs) So So, uh, a quick quick question about this uh, festival. This festival seemed to have more performances. Is that right? Uh, there were more no it was about the same kind of program as we usually really? have yeah yeah no it was we always do a big full festival and this was full and big oh and while we were there while jeremy weiss was walking on glass not just walking on glass i'm sorry jumping up and down on broken glass with his <laughs> arms out and his head back looking like um a crazy person and like his feet would be cut to hell and but at the end he raised his feet up and he said look no blood it was really interesting um while he was doing that he said he he did all of this so that he could announce that next year's hoodoo heritage festival 2020 is going to be in knoxville tennessee Mm. and that that dr weiss and reverend dr saint germain are going to be your hosts in knoxville tennessee And I am so thankful and so glad that this program will continue, and it's going to be in the South for the first time, because it's been on the West Coast all these 12 years. It's going to be in the South. So all of you people now start thinking about, how am I going to get to Knoxville, Tennessee? And I'll tell you one thing, Amtrak doesn't run there. Closest you can get on Amtrak is some little town in Georgia. Good luck. But if you fly, I'm sure they have an airport. Um... Maybe you can, you know, figure out a way to get there on foot or by mule. I don't know. 
But Knoxville, Tennessee, that's where it's going to be happening. All right. I've said my piece. Hello, Conjurman Ollie. What you been up to? <laughs> Hello, this cat. I feel like I just got a great glimpse into the workshops, and uh, they sounded so exciting and so interesting this year, which is why I was like, there was more events, or maybe there was more uh, spectacular events, because glass walking and glass jumping, oh, man, <laughs> that is something I got to tell you. Um, uh, really, really kind of excited. I'm also very much looking forward to all the books that are coming out uh, with with the festival. I mean, there's, what, half a dozen at least books that are Oh yeah, being published. Yeah, yeah. We, we just came out with um, the red folder, which is right. spectacular. If you don't have that in your uh, library, y'all ought to get it. If you like the black folder, you're going to love the red folder. They are a complete and utter complement. And now that we know the festivals are going to continue, we're working our way maybe toward the green folder. I don't know. I mean, next year, you know what I mean? All those flyers, all those people, there are 48 contributors. Then there's two books that I restored, rewrote. That's The Black and White Magic of Marie Laveau and The Secret of Numbers Revealed. Then there's that the, um, the Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, which Deacon Millet and I restored and worked on from the original pamphlets we used to give out that were written by Alexander, the man who knows, a.k.a. Claude Alexander Conlon. And then the other book, the the um, Kansas City Kitties, an old dream book, we just handed that out for free. And we also um, gave away The Fortune Teller's Guide to Success, which is written by Valentina Burton. So, yeah, mm. this was a big book year. And um, all of those books are available now from Amazon. They're available from Lucky Mojo. And um, they're available from um, in England from Bowditch's. You can get them at the Aquarian Bookstore. I mean, there's, there, you know, Madame Pamita carries them. Um, they're available at the Raven's Wing. A lot of our good bookstore friends carry those books. Oh, wow. I am very much looking forward to those books. That's that's the thing I think I'm being the book nerd that I am is the thing I'm looking forward to very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you're a bookaholic. <laughs> <laughs> Bibliophile through and through. Bibliophile. Well, well I'm glad. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm very, I'm very glad that the workshops weren't well uh, and the festival was the success that it was. Yeah. Well, it was, it was super. And everybody kind of went above and beyond the call of duty. I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of work. Um, I also want to give a, a shout out to um, Holly uh, Greenwood. She was uh, up late at night helping stuff goodie bags. We really worked hard to make this thing come together. Leslie Lowell helped, uh, Nikki Wilson, um, Nicole uh, Karavich came in, um, although she was feeling this same cold as she was feeling it, but she came in and worked. Um, there was just so many people, Jenna, um, and, and it just was everybody. Margie were working their little butts up. I also want to thank everybody who gave me birthday presents, birthday good wishes, Anna Gabriella. There's so many. Miss um, Michael. Miss Michael, got to tell you, I forgot to give you that crystal ball I was holding on to you to get, and I promise you, if you show up at the festival, I'll give you that crystal ball. And here it is, still staring at me. Aww. So, I, I gotta, I gotta mail it to her now. Um, Good visit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's this, it's this fabulous piece of moonstone with enclosures or inclusions of black tourmaline that looks like a little Frenchman. That's all I can say. Mm. How it's, cool. It's a little Frenchman, and it has a little sad mustache, and it's it it's the man in the moon. It's just so pretty. It's a little <laughs> it's a little Frenchman in the moon. When Mikkel gets it, she'll get it. <laughs> I've been hanging on to it for for a year. I when um, uh, Miss Mikkel asked for some prayers for her, and I brought this ball up and started praying on it. This thing is so full of prayers now; it's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds very cool. Well, happy birthday to my fellow Taurus. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, all happy birthdays to all Taurians. And, and um, Papa Newt, yeah. Papa Newt has got his birthday. Papa G had a birthday. Um, boy, it's been it's been a wild ride. We ought to uh, now start facing the future. We've just recapped the past. Um, so today we have as our guest Angela Marie Horner, fresh from the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, where she presented on the luck panel, and she did massage and um, and readings. And um, so, welcome, Angela Marie. Welcome, welcome. Hi. Hi, thank you. Um, I didn't get to do any readings. Um, I only got to do massage. I did have readings available, but I only got to do massage. And my auntie came from Detroit, uh, Ayana. Mm-hmm. Um, she came from Detroit and she does work in readings as well. And she was like, no, I'm on vacation. This is fun. <laughs> and so she had a great time. She very much enjoyed it. She holds she's festivals a, she's, up there and workshops was, too. Yeah. It was lovely to meet her. And I, I'm, I'm really glad that she enjoyed herself. Um, it was a, yeah. a, a big, you know, this festival, a lot of people brought family and there were a lot of, you know, oh, subsidiaries good. and extra family members. My daughter showed up. Ms. Robin's mother, Kat, which her name is Catherine. She calls herself Kat, too. She well, was, was there. Mm-hmm. And it was Mother's Day, I guess. Everybody, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't. But it was Auntie's Day as well. Yeah. Yes, my auntie is my uh, father's sister. Uh-huh. Well, we had a mm. great time. It was, it was very nice to meet her and... and uh, all right, now we have a topic, and I'm going to talk about what our topic is. We may run long this time, Nagashiva. We may only get one reading in, but that's just what it is. So back on November 4th, 2018, Angela Marie was a guest on this show, and our topic then was teaching hoodoo to the next generation. So yeah. we talked then about how you pass this on. Now, the next generation doesn't necessarily include family. It can be just the next generation. One way, for instance, writing books, another way, teaching, another way, being available, helping people, being a reader, uh, being a practitioner, but bringing in to the practice those who show an aptitude, a gift, a talent, an interest, the next generation. This time, we're going straight to family. So now we're talking about um, teaching your child about hoodoo. And I'm going to um, put a little bit of commentary in this before we start panel discussion. In each culture, mm-hmm. there's a different uh, regard, and among different families, there's a different regard to magic. So in some families, 
the old grandmother does it, maybe the mother begins to learn it, but the little girl is not allowed to see or participate. Um, I, In fact, at this last festival, someone was telling me about <clears throat> a uh, being raised in Mexico and that their grandmother and mother and their aunties performed limpias, which are cleansings. They oh, used yeah. an egg, and they used they had whisks, and they uh, they used um, alcohol, and there were all kinds of different parts to the ceremony, which are pretty well understood and known among practitioners. But she wasn't allowed in the room. She had to put her little eye underneath the the door. There was a little gap between the floor and the door, and she looked up and she could see what they were doing. Well, they moved to. California, and then she never really, uh, the grandmother was left behind in Mexico, so the chain was broken. And she never got the training that she would have got had she stayed in Mexico. Now, she's happy in America, but she wanted to learn more about hoodoo because it's a little bit like what she learned in Mexico, but she didn't want to get involved in um, going to strangers. You know, she just wanted to know what, what was done in her family. It was that we had a lovely talk about it. So, in that family, children were kept away from it. Now, in some families, children are involved in magic. I'll give you an example. Most Wicca families that practice either religious Wicca or any magical Wicca, they usually have a role for the children. The children might tie ribbons of wishes on a tree. I've been present when that was yeah. done. It's a magical act, but the family was a Wiccan family, and you all uh, you picked a ribbon of a certain color, and you wrote your wish on it in a pen, and then you tied your wishes to the tree. And all the little kids who couldn't reach the lower branches of the tree, their daddies and mommies picked them up, and they tied. And if they couldn't tie a knot, well, daddy and mommy tied it for them. And then the wishes were left to flutter in the breeze. Beautiful, magical act in the Wicca tradition. So every mm. culture is different. But most of the time, by the time a young girl especially enters puberty, she begins to practice magic in her family's tradition or her culture's tradition. And I know this from having taught over 2,100 root work students mm -hmm. because homework number three is um, about yourself and your family, and it asks the question, and they have to answer it, when did you first do your first magic spell? And of those that show real promise and interest and are taking my course, I'd say 90% of the women either started very young as a little child working with plants and animals in the backyard or they started at pu puberty. The men usually got into magic a little bit later, except, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be real blunt here, except the gay men who yeah, followed the true. same trajectory as the young girls. And they started practicing magic around puberty. So mm -hmm. having said all of that, I'm going to turn this over to you guys. I've said my piece. Tell me about teaching a child about magic in your family. Uh-oh. About Where's Miss Angela Marie? Me? Okay. Yeah. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I got a little lost. Um, so teaching magic in my family. So... Uh, of course, my mom was Catholic and totally against it and said it was devil worship. Um, on my dad's side, my aunt and I connected, but she didn't really teach me anything. I found it on my own. As for my own kids, I started with my oldest a little bit when she was younger. But then, of course, you know, my mom made sure that I didn't get to finish teaching her. But now I have three grandkids to teach. 
So I'm, <laughs> well, I get to help got, out a little bit with that. <laughs> yeah, you've got uh, your daughter, Rowena. Uh, I first mm-hmm. met her when she was, what, 15 when I first met Rowena? Um, yes. So what did you do to bring magic to your 15-year-old daughter? Uh, basically, I kind of did it in front of her. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. was, and she was interested, and I dragged her into Lucky Mojo. And first, she didn't want to come, and then her eyes lit up when she got there. She's like, "Oh my God, this is what you do! I want to do this." Mm-hmm. And it, for for her, my little Sagittarius, who's quite the contrarian, uh, mm-hmm. for her, it's better to have her learn from another source than me. And I just encourage her to keep up, you know, to do her work, and she encourages me to do mine, and. You know, she she'll she'll be nosy and sit and listen in on my conversations with my clients, and she'll try to pitch mm-hmm. in her two bits, but I make sure that they can't hear her. And mm-hmm. you know, so she's and she's really interested and really into it. Um, my grandbabies are little still, like the oldest is four, so we're you know she's kind of just they're just kind of living in a magical household. They do some things and they don't do some things. And here, mm-hmm. so it's kind of same for Rowena. She's kind of living in a magical household where she sees my works and she sees what I'm doing. And she has a little altar of her own. Oh, it's so cute. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she, um, you know, and she does some of her own works too, mm-hmm. you know. And we have a lot of the same books, and I encourage her to read and such. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pop in here too. Something you said really uh, rang with me. Um, you mentioned her sitting in on conversations with clients, but silently. And I believe I've told everybody about the way I learned how to do card reading from a woman named Mrs. Hare, who was from Louisville, Kentucky, who was a reader who who watched me after school and gave me cinnamon toast and mm-hmm. orange juice. And <laughs> told, she told the clients that I was her granddaughter, but I was not. But I just sat there quietly, and she did these readings. And um, my the rule was, don't say anything. You can sit in the wing chair, and you can listen to the readings. Well, that's how I learned how to read. And that experience was invaluable because I saw mm. her perform hundreds of readings yeah. for free yeah. it, right there in the parlor. So that is one of the best ways at what you – are doing with your daughter to let her listen in. Now, pe- people who are clients, I don't want that child listening in. Oh, no, right. that's how you train them. And that is as long as they don't speak a word and as long as they promise not to giggle, laugh, scream, do anything kind of <laughs> untoward, that is mm-hmm. one of the best ways for a child to learn how to be a reader, to be the daughter or goddaughter or neighbor girl of a reader. Serious. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's- that's very true. Uh, in fact, it, it somewhat parallels. So I had a very unique experience uh, growing up in Middle Eastern culture. Uh, magic, like like most kind of, uh, I think it, particularly amongst Protestant traditions, magic is seen as sort of a bad thing. But uh, spirituality is not, and there's a lot of folk practices. And so amongst my family, there's a lot of cultural and folk traditions that were passed around and everyone knew, you know, how to, you know, eliminate evil eye, you know, how to deal with a cold and things like that. But my family in particular has professional workers. Uh, and they always, weirdly enough, it works out this way. There's always three females and one male. 
Uh, and so, for example, the generation that preceded was uh, my grandmother and her two sisters and their father, uh, who was a blind uh, sage. So he did spiritual work and they did spiritual work. And then every generation, there's kind of a reading done or a passing on of the tradition. My father's generation, no one uh, was elected. And I was the one, I was the dude that ended up getting elected by my great-grandfather. He, uh, when I was born, he whispered the secret into my ear. There's a whole tradition of, of you do the call to prayer, a series of prayers that are whispered into the baby's ear, and then uh, a secret is passed on. And that's to say, this person is now going to take over my practice. And that's uh, my entryway. So I had a bizarre childhood in that I started quite young having actual formal training in the spiritual practices of my family, things like how to exercise gin, how to clear out a house, how to interpret dreams. I had a god and a teacher who taught me a geomancy. So very early on, and who do I actually got adopted into in a very similar way to what you described. I had a neighbor, uh, Mama Jay, who would watch me after school with her kids, Adana Jane. And she's the one who taught me because we would talk about our family, like my family practices and her family practices. And we found a lot of sympathy with one another. And so I saw her reading cards. I had never read cards before that. Um, I'd seen my grandmother do it, but the, the males in my family generally didn't read cards. We did dream interpretation and geomancy. But I got to see my first card reading. I got to see my first foot washing. I got to see the first example of making a hot foot powder. And that's how I got adopted into hoodoo by observation and sort of being adopted into it, whereas my family tradition was a far more kind of formal process of, of learning. And it was kind of a bizarre upbringing, but, you know, it made me who I am today. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in something here as well about my interest. My interest was there before I met Mrs. Hare, but she right. was in many ways a better teacher for me than my own mother. But my mother, who came out of the, um, you know, uh, European Jewish, Ashkenazi Jewish tradition, mm -hmm. and my grandmother as well, uh, they had books um, on uh, sigil magic, for instance, um, Sixth and Seventh Books of Moses, um, and, uh, you know, the Seals of Solomon and so forth. And um, they would translate them for me from German. My mother would for 50 cents an hour. I had to babysit my half-sister for 50 cents an hour in exchange for getting these translations. And um, so she knew I was serious about it, but then she began to bring me books. But she was a very bookish lady, like like you and me, Ollie. And she mm -hmm. brought me these these books to study from. Well, if you're interested in this, here's this book, you know, Folk Beliefs of the mm -hmm. Southern Negro by Nubel Niles Puckett. You know, she was a librarian. So that taught me a lot, too. And I learned a lot from my friends but, um, you know, it's interesting. The grandmother is often the link. And so, mm -hmm. Angela, I'm going to turn this back to you. You've got how many grandchildren? Three. you got I have three. three grandchildren. Uh -huh. Three grandchildren. Possibly four. Possibly uh -oh. four. My, daughter, my oldest thinks she might be oh. pregnant again. Oh, my wow. auntie and I looked at My auntie and I looked at her aura and said, yes, honey, you are. And she still wants to take the pregnancy test and make it official. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, we're not going to jinx that by talking about it too much. That's how I was taught in my family. <laughs> um, right. So three grandchildren going on four. Now, um, do you do you ever try to 
um, I mean, they're young yet, but do you try to work with them in a magical way and bring them into magic? Um, when they come to my house, I work on teaching them to respect the altars that I have so they're not mm-hmm. picking everything up and playing with things mm-hmm. and breaking things. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of the beginning for them. That's the beginning mm-hmm. for them because they're still so little. The, I mean, the baby still puts everything in his mouth. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, right, right, Careful. Right. Yeah. The baby does, yeah. doesn't put mandrake root in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, some, or suck on the top of the honey jar concerns. or eat the candle. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> yeah right. things like that. So, yeah, but, they're, they're know, being taught. Yeah. So, um yeah. I'm going to I'm going to throw in some things that I've learned from some of my friends and clients because um one of the things that I was uh observant of, you know, watching among my friends, um some of them would actually tell the child, "We're going to make a bath for mm-hmm. cleansing or we're going to make a floor wash or we're going to say this prayer." Some do, mm-hmm. some don't. There is a kind of a barrier there that I have noticed in many families. And the barrier, because the young girls usually get interested in actually performing magic when sex Mm -hmm. rears its lovely head. And, of course, Mama and Daddy, they're always afraid, oh, my God, now the child's going to be sexual and we're going to have unwanted pregnancies and we're going to have rebelliousness Mm -hmm. and God knows they're going to run off to, you know, Amarillo and get drunk. And, you know, it's just a a tense time, right? So in, in some families, sex is also withheld from the child and magic is withheld the same way. And in mm. other families where there's more openness about sexual education, I have observed, and I'm just speaking from my own observations here, where sexual mm-hmm. education is more forthcoming, magical education is more forthcoming. Somehow there's a knowledge, maybe a memory in mama's head, first spell mm-hmm. I ever did was for a boyfriend, therefore I yeah. will not talk about the to the girl about magic until she wants a boyfriend or a girlfriend, mm-hmm. as the case may be. But there's a reluctance to teach the boy child, which is why boy children um, study magic a little later, in my experience, yeah. because probably, I'm just going by the statistics that I've observed now, that I've collected over these many, many years, uh, Mama is not so interested in talking about sex with the boy child and or magic with the boy child, but the gay boy child kind of wants to hang out and, you know, be more um, open about these things sometimes. And if he is, Mm. he'll start practicing magic. If, on the other hand, the gay boy child finds himself in a totally rejecting family that not only rejects Mm -hmm. gayness but also rejects magic, he'll seek outside intervention and he'll find a godmother. And Mm -hmm. many of my gay male friends in magic learned from a godmother and by that I don't mean a formal church godmother I mean mm-hmm. a you know an older woman who mm-hmm. took them in to teach them and support them emotionally so there's a certain mm-hmm. pattern there um mm-hmm. one of the things I would say is all of you listening to this podcast if you practice magic don't hide it from your children but do recognize that it comes it naturally kind of begins to develop at a certain age that their interest will burst forth if you didn't start them on the path. In other words, if you didn't start them on the path of magic, it will erupt as a sexual desire magic. 
But if mm-hmm. you started them young and talk about such and such religious day or such and such uh, astronomical, astrological day, or this is a, a holiday of our people, and by the way, this is what we do. Or like my grandmother, who probably didn't think she was teaching me magic at all, and now I'm speaking of my Ashkenazi Jewish grandmother, I got um, so, uh, I got some bubble gum in my hair, okay? Mm-hmm. And and I, my mother was like, oh, we're just going to cut it out. And my grandmother got this look on her face, and she said, no, no, you can't cut it out. We have to get some solvent, and we have to take the bubble gum out. I'm like, why? You know, why? And she said, well, there's a lot of bad feelings mixed up in tangled hair, and there's a lot of bad – you just don't want to let all that loose. We're just going to – it's going to take a little time. We're going to get all that. And she did. She got everything out of my hair until my hair brushed out straight. I didn't know. Until I was working with Dr. Jeremy Weiss on this book on Jewish folk magic, that it's a very old Jewish belief, she never said it, that's for sure, that if you have a tangle in your hair or something in your hair and you let it go by cutting it, that the tangle has demons in it and you've let demons loose into the room. Mm. All my grandmother said, well, bad feelings will go in the room. Right, right. So There is definitely... Go ahead. No, please. Please go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, so sometimes when you listen to your grandmother, you don't know you're being taught magic. I didn't think I was being taught magic. Maybe my grandmother had been, you know, maybe they were so, mm, at that time they just said bad feelings rather than demons. Who knows what they were thinking? I think my great-great-great-grandmother would have said demons, but, you know, at that point. But it was family folk magic. Right. I was really, I I was really surprised to find out it was part of a Jewish tradition that I was being yeah. taught unconsciously. You know, the, I think part of it is related to the fact what the relationship is to the idea of magic, right? Plenty mm-hmm. of people practice some form of magic. They don't always call it magic. And this is very common in hoodoo as well, where magic has kind of a negative connotation. Bad people do magic to you. But everyone mm-hmm. knows how to deal with the magic. This is how you uncross. This is how you cleanse. This is how you remove, uh, you know, cross conditions. This is how you get rid of uh, haunts. This is how you get rid of ghosts. So there's a lot of – it depends on, like, what the relationship is to magic. And so there's kind of multiple ways of transmission. There is the uh, osmosis transmission, which you just described, right, is where you mm-hmm. get taught but not necessarily explained. Like, no one is sitting down going, okay, this is for demons, and this is for prayer, and this candle is for that, and this color is this. It's not necessarily an explanation, but rather a custom that gets passed down. So that's kind of an osmosis way of transmission, and mm-hmm. I think this is the most common way people experience it. Then there is the more formal kind of teaching. Angela Marie Horner, for example, you're talking a little bit about this, about how you're teaching uh, or there's the learning involved. My own experience involves an actual formal training. And then the third is where they seek out outside intervention, right? People Mm -hmm. who uh, want to learn magic are going through something. They're going through feelings of loneliness, powerlessness or desire. They really want that person. People are searching. There's a reason they go out and find magic. There's also a reason why uh, people who are exploring their sexuality often look to uh, magic during that same time period. Women that are going through puberty, uh, boys that are going, or boys and women who are going through, or boys and girls that are going, exploring their sexuality. They find someone else from the outside. So there's kind of like three paths 
um, that, that people follow, either osmosis slash custom, passing on, formal teaching, or being adopted into a tradition or finding kind of an older mentor from the outside. And for some people, uh, the older mentor is replaced by the Internet, especially in, the, in nowadays. They look up mm-hmm. their first love spell, right? Oh, that's how you do that love spell. You light this candle and you say these words. So we're seeing a kind of interesting change in the, in the education, if you will, of the uh, younger generation. Yeah. Uh, Miss Michael in the chat log said something very interesting to me. She said, my sister's magical practice is much more like my mother's early interest than mine is. Helena Blavatsky, popular astrology, etc. And that triggered me to remember another way, and this has, again, to do with my childhood, but I've seen it over and over and over again. Divination falls into two forms, character analysis and fortune-telling. And they're intimately linked. But one of the earliest introductions that I had to magic that many of my friends had was through what she called popular astrology, through the character Mm -hmm. analysis branch of divination. So you do your numerology, which I did. I learned numerology at the age of eight, right? Um, You do your numerology, you do your astrology or whatever it is, sun sign astrology, even a child can, if they can count to 12, they can do sun sign astrology. They know when their birthday is. Once you get that idea of character analysis, you then begin to think, if you're a gifted child, ah, fortune telling, that's the next stage. Right, But the fortune-telling of the long distance, you will have a tendency to have a job in real estate or you will own property. That's a typical Taurus, right? Mm-hmm. You read that You read that in a book when you're eight. You go, real estate, property? We're living in a rental <laughs> home. How will this ever happen? Mm-hmm. We're living in a horrible apartment in Santa Monica. We'll never own property. The Nazis mm-hmm. took away. Well, here I am on two acres. It worked out. She mm-hmm. was right. <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, so you don't have the patience for a long-term fortune-telling, but you start to get into short-term fortune-telling. So what that's the yeah. next step is let's read some cards. Let's do a lucky number. Let's, you know what I mean? And when a child becomes interested in divination, at first there's a little bit of ego glow. Ah, you love art. Oh, look how talented mm-hmm. you are with music. You're a Pisces, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Mm-hmm. But the child mm-hmm. begins to see themselves and see their gifts in an astrological way or a numerological way, which are similar, by the way. Or they're, what's your favorite color? Well, that color means this or that or the other. If you start with character analysis, you can teach any child divination by the time they reach puberty. That's very true. That's very true. And interestingly enough, astrology is making a huge comeback. There was a period in the early 2000s where astrology uh, took a big dive because mm-hmm. that was the rise of the Internet skeptic community, right? The late mm-hmm. 90s, yeah. early 2000s. And astrology in particular, because it's always had a kind of pseudoscience component to it, um, whereas, you know, tarot card readers, they never gave a shit, right? They're like, who cares? Mm-hmm. You that. <laughs> but, the, but whereas, like, the, there has always been a, a little bit of astrology that wanted uh, approval from science, if you will. So there has a pseudoscientific component. To it. it took a big, big hit. And so there were the generation, the 90s generation, there wasn't, astrology was not as popular. But Gen Z, this new one that's growing up in the post-2000s, are far more into astrology than any previous uh, generation before them, and very openly 
uh, people who may not necessarily consider themselves practitioners or witches or, or anything of that sort still find themselves drawn to astrology uh, in very overt ways. There was actually just recently an article that talked about uh, don't zodiac shame. Mm-hmm. People shame certain zodiacs very publicly as being really bad signs or really good signs. And this is a very kind of characteristic of this new era um, and astrology kind of really kind of making a comeback. So it's very fascinating. Well, at this point, I'm going to say something I often say. I'm going to post it in the chat log. Sex in History by G. Rattray Taylor. And mm. I've mentioned this guy before. He was a Freudian, forget the Freudian part. Mm-hmm. He talked about cultures that swing between being what he called matristic and patristic. And what he really means is exploratory, liberal, embracing yeah. cultures, matristic, and authoritarian, hierarchical, top-down governing cultures. Yeah. And he saw, by going through history, it's called Sex in History. It's a great title, but that's not what the book's about. It's actually not about sex. Yeah. It's about It's about cultural movement back and forth and um, t- between these poles. And he talks about this 30-year swing. And so um, in the 60s, of course, astrology was all the thing. You know, I mean, these, these things come and go. They come and yeah. go. And I also, you're so right, the Internet skeptic culture, uh, you know, 30 years on, they just, you know, they destroyed, they began bad-mouthing hippies. They began saying yep. that, you know, I mean, it was just a... a, a, a fucking nightmare for a while there um toxic very toxic yeah it was very toxic and there's also something else i do have to add here because astrology consists in part the preliminary to it consists of computation once people could put those computations for free Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. internet people thought they had seized on the essence of astrology which they had not I still tell right, people, right. go go get your chart done online, but let a real astrologer interpret it. But so it goes. Yeah, I just yeah. had to throw that in. But, yes, the Tarot people have been much more – a Tarot is much more solid. It just keeps on going. Yeah. I mean, or card reading in general. I shouldn't even just say Tarot. Lenormand, Oracle cards, Very all true. of those things, they, they keep at a lower – they don't cycle up and down so fast. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, and, and I've just got to give a, a little shout-out. I've been getting – there was a period, I'd say three years, where well, maybe one person a year asked me for astrology. They thought they could get it online for free. Nowadays, yeah. people coming back to me. Oh, well, I got it done online, but could you read it for me, right? You know, um, well, you know what's really interesting is that the, one, the generation that really kind of, for whatever reason – the passing on of astrological knowledge uh, for me came because you're right for a period of time it was like one person a year it was actually post crash when the economy started to crash post yeah. 2008 I had all the stock dudes show up and they wanted astrological <laughs> yeah, right. readings about their right. finances <laughs> right well right let's let's go back here to to kids and that's yeah. another thing teaching kids to read cards is very easy um, yeah if you want to teach them divination again. I see divination as a really good intro to teaching children magic. Now, I'm going to throw this back at Angela because I happen to know, Angela Marie, you don't read tarot or playing cards. You read cards that originally came with a game, right? (laughs) Right, right. Um, They were, for the longest time, no decks worked for me at all. I would pick up a deck of cards and it was like picking up, you know, a Chinese dictionary written in Chinese. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they just didn't work for me. And mm-hmm. um, I pulled out, you know, my best friend gave, my best friend Scott gave me the box set for Ravenloft, uh, a gypsy. Mm-hmm. And no offense to gypsies, that's the title of the box set. And mm-hmm. um, they, you know, it had a set of Desheka, which were fortune-telling dice, and a pack of cards. I pulled them out to use them for a game that a live action game we were playing, and mm-hmm. the cards were telling me exactly what the GMs were planning for us in the upcoming battle. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so the you GM found... came over and yeah, go ahead. The GM came over and took the cards from me and stacked my deck, and then I couldn't read them. Hmm. My cards hate being touched by other people. They only let me do them. So I don't. I can't even let the client you know, cut the deck if they're sitting in front of me because then the deck just won't work. It doesn't like it when other people touch it. But that's Mm -hmm. how I learned that that set actually worked with me. And um, a friend of mine knew that I wanted to learn tarot, so she gave me the tarot coloring book. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I get the chance, when the kids are old enough, that is, I'm going to sit down and you know, we're going to go over it together. You know, you learn 90% of what you teach. So right. if you teach it well, while you're the, learning it, then you learn it better. The, the, the reason I mentioned this about a game is that one of the ways mm-hmm. to, to teach children magic is to make it fun. And learning to read mm-hmm. by a game, and this is why teaching kids to read with playing cards is fun. Rather, If you if you go in with a, these are to row the sacred journey of life through the path <laughs> of the fool, they're going to go, mama's crazy. But if you say, yeah, hey, well, if you well, these cards know. out, we can see the future, or we can tell about people's personalities, they'll get that. So the mm-hmm. same goes with spells. So you say to the child, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into candle magic for just a second because candle magic has taken hoodoo by storm. It was not native to African practices, but um, and it wasn't even found in early um, hoodoo, but candle magic is now a real staple of hoodoo. It's been for 100 years. This is not new. Um, but one of the things, and I've talked about this before, that one of the reasons that hoodoo ended up with so many candles was Jewish candle makers made their candles in colors, and the colors have magical occult significance. And it's just this sort of um, uh, synthesis that developed was beautiful synthesis. But if you look at Judaism and candles, they'll always show pictures of the father holding a child and teaching it to light a candle. It's usually the father is to say, we have a good family. Mama doesn't have to do everything. Daddy helps, right? And so you go, go online and look yeah. for Jewish fathers teaching their kids to light uh, Hanukkah candles. It's interesting that that is, now that's in a religious context, not magical, but it is about a magical event, a miracle that was that happened. So teach your kids how to light the candles. Hold them in your little arms and say, here, hold the match with me, honey, and teach your kids to light the candles. Our time is up. I hate that. Go ahead now. <laughs> Troll Talhead <laughs> takes it away. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic chondropractor practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches 
located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. And now it's time to go to the phones and talk with our next client, well, our only client today. <laughs> and our client today is Liana. Liana is calling from area code 812 in Indiana. Are you there, Liana? Yes, hi. Hi, welcome. It seems that you have not had readings on this situation by anyone else, either on the show or elsewise. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And Leanna writes, I've been fighting my abusive ex-husband in court for over three years now, but because of his family's wealth and our financial lack, he's gotten pretty far. He continuously seeks sole custody and tries to gather evidence by stalking me and our daughter, claiming that I'm mentally unstable and negligent. Most of his evidence, quote-unquote, is completely fabricated, but none of the attorneys seem to care much about my story or his controlling and manipulative behavior. What can I do to put an end to this and finally find peace? Back to you, Ms. Cat. All right. Well, since we're only going to do one reading this time, I think we should start with Ollie. We're going to take it as if it were segment number two. We're going to have Ollie do the first reading, Angela do the second reading, and I will do the root work. Is Ollie there? Yes, I'm happy to do that reading for you. Uh, Leanna, if I could just ask a couple uh, brief questions, and then I'll, I'll be able to give you some uh, advice on that. First, what sign of the zodiac are you? She I'm a Pisces. Yeah, Pisces sun. And Scorpio moon, Virgo rising, and he's a okay. Taurus. And he's a Taurus. Okay. Well, um, you're in, you're in a tough situation. Uh, the reason I say this, uh, Tauruses are notoriously stubborn and they're very hard. Yeah. This is the kind of dark side of the Taurus is that once they decide to go on a wrecking path, uh, it's a bull in a china shop, and they're willing to kind of destroy everything in their path, uh, and they don't let go. And Miss Cat can testify. We hold grudges. We do. And we hold grudges for for years uh, on end, um, so that that's a very you know just by by zodiac alone you're facing a, a serious situation. This is a long protracted battle, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do about it. That doesn't mean that uh, there is no hope. It just means that you need to be prepared. You need to accept that this is going to be a long battle. Shore up your emotional uh, strength. Uh, prepare yourself and get ready for the long haul. Um, you can uh, have success here, and the cards do indicate that there is there is a chance for uh, improving, but you're going to need some strong magical intervention. And the first card that I have here is the Nine of Cups, and the Nine of Cups really speaks to your ex here. He, this is a very self-satisfied merchant who is sitting down on a bench, and behind him he has nine goblets. And these nine goblets are uh, indications that he has all his affairs in order. He has, as you noted, money. And he's got wealth that he can draw upon and resources that he can draw upon. And so he sees himself as a bit beyond reproach, uh, sees himself as an advantaged position. And he is in an advantaged position. Now, that also can work against him. It means that you can blind him to what it is you're going to do. So something to consider here is to work his own self-satisfaction, work his own arrogance against him. 
blind him, doing any type of blinding work, any type of work that keeps him from, from feeling like he's being attacked. Let him feel confident and work quietly to undermine him. Uh, attacking his finances directly would be one way of approaching this particular working, uh, to do some type of work to make his finances unstable. Uh, when he suddenly feels that he is no longer in a better financial situation, that's when we're going to see uh, things start to really turn around. He's no longer going to be in a strong position. So consider that uh, as one uh, approach. The next card that I have here is the judgment. And judgment shows the archangel of heaven uh, blowing the uh, horn of resurrection in uh, traditionally, this is viewed as uh, Gabriel. Some say it's Israfel, uh, who brings the dead back to life. Judgment can be found here. Uh, a strong intervention can be made, and it needs to be a spiritual intervention. And to do so, you must call upon the powers of heaven and the powers of earth. The powers of heaven are angelic work, so work with angels who are favorable uh, to making sure that children are brought up in a good household, brought up in a household with their mother, who will look harshly down upon uh, uh, you know, a guy using his wealth and money to cause you this much issue, to cause this much pain uh, to a family. Uh, working, for example, directly with Gabriel can be very useful with matters of communication to help influence the judge. Uh, but working with the powers of heaven here is important, but also working with the dead. That's what I mean by the powers of earth. Call upon ancestors. You have powerful, powerful ancestors. Uh, there are strong females uh, that are present uh, in this card that I'm sensing who are willing to work on your behalf. Uh, reach out to your ancestors. See if you can find uh, their graves. Work with their graveyard dirt directly. There's a very famous uh, working that involves uh, the shaking of the tombstone, but I'm going to leave this for uh, the consultation. Uh, work with both work, uh, with both uh, the powers of heaven and earth in order to turn this situation around. And then the final card that I have here is the Knight of Pentacles. The Knight of Pentacles is the outcome. Do, will you have success? The Knight of Pentacles gets what he wants. He has the golden coin in his hand. That means you can get the type of custody arrangement that you're looking for, the type of settlement that you're looking for. However, it is something that will take a long time manifesting. What you need to view this situation as is not just a battle, but you planting seeds and then tending to those seeds as they slowly grow. And this is why the cards reveal first attacking his finances, then calling upon the powers of heaven and calling upon your ancestors, because this is going to be a long-term battle. This is an indication here of a whole of whole seasons passing. The Knight of Pentacles is a is a, a stalwart knight who is riding on a horse that is not just a wool horse, but also a draft horse or horse that pulls the plows. And he is a farmer. He's a farmer and a knight. So you are going to have to recognize this is going to take a while. This is going to, you're going to have to be patient. But victory can be had. I would also recommend that you, can, that you take on a regular uh, root worker who will consult with you regularly, uh, who will be able to use the, uh, the, their powers as a seer. The knight here has a golden coin, which is, uh, can sometimes represent a crystal ball. So someone who will regularly check in on this situation and see how things are moving, if they're moving in the right direction, and give you advice about whether there's good weather ahead or bad weather. You are still looking at a minimum of several months before you 
see victory, but victory can be had with a strong magical intervention. All right, that's what I see here. Uh, I'm going to uh, turn this over to um, Angela Marie Horner, who's going to do your next reading, and then Miss Cat is going to give you some root work recommendation. It just so happens that Miss Cat herself is a Taurus, and the Knight of Pentacles uh, is a very strong Taurian card, so she, I think she's the right person uh, to give you uh, advice here. Okay, thank you. Okay, Angela, how do you read the situation? Well, the first card I pulled out is the Enchanter, and the Enchanter is a wizard uh, with just his staff in hand, and he's on a journey. Um, it can be a spiritual journey or a physical journey, so being that that's the first card I pulled out, you are looking at a long haul. However, I do have the Swashbuckler, which came up, and that card means a benefactor. Um, there's a, a poor guy with his little cup out and a thief kind of standing there in between him and a rich guy, and she picks his pocket and drops the coin into the guy's cup. So he's her, so she's her his benefactor. So, yes, you will need a benefactor, a good lawyer, a good root worker. Um, I don't know where you are, but sometimes the family court can appoint somebody for you. Um, I used them when I was fighting my ex. Uh, didn't take much of a fight. <clears throat> Won't go into those details. But I was fighting my ex. Um, and the philanthropist also comes up, and that card is two very poor people. It's a two of coins in my deck. And it's two very poor people. The man has two coins, and he's handing her one. They're both still poor, but now they can both eat. So that one means, you know, find you know find your group. Find your solace. Find your... You're not alone. You're not the only person who's gone through this in all different kinds of realms. You're not, you're not alone in your situation. Uh, it also means a great act of kindness or a great act of philanthropy. So you could have like a really prestigious lawyer come, you know, hear about your case and go, wow, maybe I could give you a hand. You know, that kind of thing pop up, and that would be another Thing for your benefactor, or maybe you get a hold of a root worker who's like, "Oh my gosh, you break my heart." You know, let me let me give this to you at a lower price. You know, you may that may also be your benefactor that comes in. Um, <clears throat> but even with a root worker, even with a good lawyer, it is going to take a while. Um, you're not even dealing with divorce court anymore. You're dealing with, you know, properties and all that garbage. You know, divorce takes two years. How long have you been working at this? It's going to be a while. So uh, tighten your belt. Keep your resources close. Try not to spend an exorbitant amount of money on any of this. And tuck in for the long haul. All right. Thank you, Angela. And it's interesting, too, that both readers saw things having to do with money. Now, you mentioned that your husband, ex-husband, is a Taurus, which is financial, and uh, but also very persistent. And there were these various cards with coins. And um, I- I'm going to turn to this in a, in a slightly um, practical way before I get into the magical way. Something you said about this made me want to comment. You said that he's got claiming that you're mentally unstable and negligent. Yes. Do you do you have a job? Uh, well, currently I'm in school. I'm uh, studying to um, become a web developer. 
And I okay. do a little bit of merchandising on the side, but it's not really an occupation. But you're in <clears throat> school now, all right. Yeah. So um, you couldn't be mentally unstable in studying to be a web developer. That's a very high-level <laughs> mental, yeah. intellectual practice, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. The next question, he says, negligent. <clears throat> Do you have a home that would meet the minimal standards for being seen on an ad for Clorox? Uh, you know what? If you go, what do you mean? If you go, if you go, what I oh, what I mean is, if you go to the internet and they show, serve you these ads, they have these thirty-second ads for Clorox, and they always stage a spill in a room, but the room looks pretty mm-hmm. good before the spill happened. Right? Uh-huh. Does, does would could they film a Clorox ad in your house, or is your house too messed up to be used in a Clorox ad? Uh, well, if it were cleaned prior, I mean, I don't know. I've been struggling <laughs> with a lot of depression, so. Ah, okay. So this is where this came, comes in. I want to make sure that when you present yourself, your house looks good enough. Whether you're struggling with depression, or you got to get help for that depression, your house. If you're trying to fight a custody case, it's a piece of advice. Your house has to look good enough to be messed up if something is spilled in it and then cleaned up and wiped away with a Clorox ad. I'm just saying, I know it sounds crazy. If your ad, if your house could not be filmed in a 30-second Clorox ad, he's going to poke at that. He's going to poke. Now, your friends may not care, and you may not care, but the court, that's what they've got in their mind. Does the house look like it's clean before something spilled? And that's it. So make sure your house is clean. Make sure the children are clean. Make sure their clothes are clean. If you want the children, you have to fight that depression. Get the medication for the depression that you need. Get the counseling to get everything looking good. Because the being in school is good, but the negligent part, you 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 express doubt. And I don't like that because we could do all the root work in the world. If you don't build from a firm foundation of strong timber, we're not going to get anywhere. Now, having said that, and I'm not trying to shame you for having depression. Many people do, believe me. Um, losing a, a life partner, then having an evil divorce, and then being stalked and all of this stuff. But I don't want you to spend your time on that. What I want you to do is spend your time on Upholding yourself with strength, gathering your uh, allies and colleagues around yourself, gathering those angels, gathering whatever it is you need. Because if it's brought to a custody court, you need to be there in a good mood on a good day and stand there and say, these are photos of the house. You can bring your um, investigators to the house. You need to be able to do that or you will lose. Okay? Now, yeah. Meanwhile, my husband, who is psychic, is posting um, in the chat log, straighten up and fly right as a defense. The court will care. Clarity, Chinese wash, clean up that evil mess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is exactly what we're going to start with is Chinese wash and cleaning up all of the evil mess, the foul odors, the negative thoughts. You have to work from within and without. I'd like you to consider, if you don't want to take medication for depression, I at least want you to take some herbal supplements that will increase your energy and self-confidence. Take vitamin B12. I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, but you should 
go online and look at what people do to, you know, boost their self-confidence because this is your biggest lack. Partly having um, Pisces sun, they're easily knocked down, they're watery, and a Virgo rising, they're shy and retiring. Uh, hang on to your Scorpio moon. You're going to fight, fight, fight. Okay? <laughs> okay. Now, um, having do a complete and thorough house cleaning. And then I'm going to go right with that card, the, the judgment card. Um, somebody, oh, a- Angela L. in the chat room said, St. John's Wort? Yes, use St. John's Wort for de- depression. I like B12. I like make sure you get enough vitamin D. Make sure you walk out in the sun. I mean, I could give, I could devote a whole thing to natural healing. We're not going to go there. This is a magical show. But we want you to get that good underpinning of good food, sunlight, fresh air, all those good things, okay? Now, having said that, um, we had the last judgment, and the last judgment shows uh, Gabriel, Angel Gabriel, a very appropriate angel for this because Gabriel formerly was, according to some scholars, a Canaanite uh, female angel, deity, goddess of childbirth and care for mothers. And Gabriel became one of... um, Jehovah's angels, but Gabriel is still associated with birth, and that's why the dead come back to life. They're being birthed from the earth, and so this is your go-to guardian angel here, Angel Gabriel. Um, If you don't feel Christian, look for um, one of the paintings of of, um, Archangel Gabriel holding calla lilies in her hand. I think it came out of the I Am movement. It's a fabulous image. We use it because not everybody's a total Christian. And um, what you're looking for is to work with the angel Gabriel. One of the best ways is to focus and have an altar. You're going to do a little bit of um, lunar work. Um, You can work on a Monday. It's good for mothers and children. You're going to do – how many children do you have? Two. Two children. And how old are the children? Um, my daughter is 13, and my boy is four. Is four. And and so you're going to do some work with the children. 13-year-old is old enough to start helping, right? I yeah. Remember we just talked about puberty and magic. So tell yeah. her, you know, we want to live as a family, and we're going to do some work. Not hateful work against the dad. That would just be horrible. But we're going to do some work to keep our family strong. And do a little bit of a little candle lighting ceremony. Use very small candles. You don't want candles to stay lit overnight and catch the fire on the in the house. We don't want that. We just want a little candle to be lit. I'm going to say a little prayer that we all be together as family. Break bread with the children and tell them bread is the staff of life. Always remember this. Make special foods in every way. Engage that daughter to be your helper and collaborator. Now I want you to go to a root worker who will help you, who has been through a custody battle and has some sympathy for this, or who has some sympathy for children. So pick yourself a middle-aged woman root worker, okay? And she's going to be your guide. You need a guide. That was set in the cards, okay? So clean the house, engage the older daughter to help, and get a female middle-aged root worker. All right. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie. Sundays, 3 to 4.30. 
the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Angela Marie Horner of uh, Raven. Uh oh, I forgot it. Angela Marie Horner.com in Santa Rosa, California. <laughs> Take it away, Angela. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's LotusRavenConjure.com. Thank you. <laughs> and I spell Raven R A V Y N. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. All right. So <clears throat> littles have nightmares a lot. And I've had nightmares ever since I could remember. So, I mean, I know that littles have nightmares all the time. Sometimes it's images that they've seen and don't realize they've seen. Sometimes it's the monster under the bed. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sorry about this. So one of the things that I I suggest doing would be to cut a fresh sprig of rosemary about a foot long or measure it to your kids uh, from your kid's elbow to, to middle finger, which is technically the length of a wand. Then um, you want to wrap one end with white linen. You want to leave the, the, the leave the leaves intact. Don't pick them off or anything as it dries out. Leave them on there. Uh, You want that for the scent and the oil because you're going to put this, you're going to store this in the kid's pillow. Uh, You want to spray the twig with Florida water or holy water or a mix of both because it won't hurt anything. And once you've done that, you want to say a chant over it. And you can have your little one hold it and you hold it with them or you can give them a big hug and have them hold it it and say it with them. Uh, The chant goes, can be anywhere like this. Uh, sprig of rosemary, answer to me. Send away any bad dreams. Teddy bear knight's sword you will be and cut away the bonds of adversity. So teddy bears are knights for kids. Like you tell your, your kid to hold on to your teddy bear and it will protect you from the monster under the bed. I have a favorite picture of a of the monster under the bed, this big giant thing coming over the bed and there's a teddy bear with a little knight's helmet and a little sword pointing at the monster, you know, and that sword is made of rosemary because it gets rid of the bad dreams. And then after you've done this chant with your kid, uh, you keep the sprig under the pillow and encourage your kid to use it as a wand of protection whenever they're scared of the dark or they're having bad dreams or there's a monster in the closet. You have them grab their their protection wand and go with you to the closet and empower them to to force that thing to go away. Because you really, the the fear of the dark is something that's tangible and it's always there and it's kind of an ancestry thing because in the caveman days, you were afraid of the dark because anything outside of the, the firelight would probably eat you. And that's kind of an instinctual nowadays. But with magic, you don't have to be afraid of the dark. 
with with magic, the things in the dark are your friends. And that is a good thing to teach the kids because then they're not having nightmares and running into your bed at the awkward times of night. That's a um, that's a beautiful thing. I'm gonna just I'm gonna jump mm. in here for a moment. Rosemary, okay. as we at Rosemary, we all know is uh, shows that women have the rule, and so this yeah. is a spell from a mother, um, rather than a spell from a father, because it, it, if you and the child, and it doesn't matter whether the child is male or female, but if you and right. the child hold that wand together, you're conveying the mother power to that child. That's really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I love the the both the component of having the teddy bear as a sort of guardian, but also the empowering component of the rosemary acting as a sort of wand that they are an active participant in their protection. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And it helps it helps build confidence too. I mean, you've got that yeah. playground bully. You can, you know, very bullies empowering. are cowards. You know, and they need someone to stand up to them to realize, okay, I can't do this to people, you know, and if your kid's being bullied, that even helps them with that. I mean, they're not, you don't let them take that wand to school because they could poke somebody's eye out and then they'll get in trouble for having a a weapon and all that crazy stuff in today's society. But, you know, you do teach them that the power, the magic lives within themselves and the wand is the extension of that power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like this. It's very simple. And um you can also um as far as nightmares go, there are a few other herbs I'd like to recommend to make a little mm. um dream pillow. Rosemary certainly can go in there. Lavender, hops. Hops is always used for uh, dream pillows. Mm. And there are a few others. Motherwort is good for the mother's power as well. Make a little um good dream pillow. And mm-hmm. um, and and you don't put the rosemary wand in that. That's just an extra add-on that you can put um, under the pillow. Or some people will actually um, basting stitch it into a pillow if you are a skilled seamstress. If you're not, you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. those are the the idea of this rosemary wand is wonderful. And rosemary is like a little tree. It's not like a regular yeah. herb that has a soft center core stem that dry is fragile. It is like wood. Mm-hmm. It's hard like wood. What's great about rosemary, too, is that it, it is, in addition to being associated with uh, women and women's power at home, it's also associated with clarity of mind. And a lot of old traditions uh, use rosemary for exams and tests and whatnot. So it's a particularly powerful herb to deal with confusion, to deal with nightmares, um, but also to build kind of the mental acumen. Yeah. Another thing, since rosemary is for remembrance, it might also help the child remember the dreams, and then you can take that as an opportunity Mm. to do some discussion of dreams and dream interpretation with the child. Mm. Right. Yeah, and rosemary is also a guardian, so you would plant it at your garden gate to keep away negative energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had nightmares all my life, and I finally learned how to walk my own dreams and get rid of my nightmares. And I'm learning to branch out a little bit, too, as far as getting into other people's dreams and moving on. But the rosemary and the hops together will most especially help teach the kids dream work. 
you know, um, when mm-hmm. you're having a bad dream, imagine that you're watching TV and just change the channel. Right. Dr. Yes. Sweet mentioned something here, too. Rosemary will also grow hair in some people that have gone bald in patches. That is so true. Rosemary oil <laughs> and rosemary, no, seriously, rosemary shampoo, totally, totally good for your hair if you have um falling hair problem that is not, you know, like male pattern baldness. It's not going to cure that, but it will help. But it's associated with the head, with the mind, memory, the head, the hair. Very good herb in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Angela, for that. Thank um, you for the great spell. Yeah, it's a wonderful spell. Very simple. Any mother can do that, and it's done with the child, which is so good. All right, well, uh, we're going to turn this over to our fabulous announcer, Troll Tellhead. <laughs> thank you, Miss Cat and Conjure Manali. And thank you, Angela Marie Horner of LotusRavenConjure.com in Santa Rosa, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Luminaria Star in the great state of Maine discussing remedies where magic meets medicine. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Contraman Ollie at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Troll Talhead, joining you from satanservice.org. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour can be heard every week, live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via the Lucky Mojo website at luckymojo.com, radioshow.html. For all of us at the Lucky Mojo uh, Curio Company, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, Bye, everybody. I, we, we, we're all discussing his delivery of these lines. Um, <laughs> relaxed to the point of torpor. <laughs> very, I, I very enjoyed it. We floated towards the well, thank you, thank you, Troll Tailhead. Um, now you all know one reason I like the man. He takes his time, but he takes it. All right. <clears throat> wow. Okay, well, we'll be back next week with Luminaria Star, and now we say good night. Good night, all. Good night. Good night. Keep that teddy bear close. <laughs>